Well, amen, amen. Good morning, church. If you're here for the very first time, I am Ricky Ayala, the senior pastor, and I welcome all of you. And for those of you who are listening on our podcast, we're so thankful as we continue on with our sermon series that is titled, Bless This Home. And uh, inside your programs, you will notice that inside, if you're taking notes, there are some fill-in-the-blanks. The answers to those fill-ins will be up on the screen during my message here today. Now, we are, as I mentioned, we are in our third week of the sermon series. The first week, we talked about, you know, utilizing the Beatitudes as found in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, and how we can incorporate and utilize those Beatitudes and start applying them inside our homes. And therefore, you know, you got this Bless This Home series. The first week, we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Last week, we talked about how blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And if you're able to, I'm going to ask you to please stand for the scripture reading. Today, as found again, Matthew chapter 5, is the same scripture. Last week, I had you say blessed at every scripture uh, verse, but today I'm just going to ask for your participation on verse 9 when we get there. The Bible says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I'm going to ask for your participation here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless his word. Let's pause for a word of prayer. And God, we come in in this moment of our worship service to receive of your word as we continue with the sermon series of Bless This Home. Help us to know how we can be a peacemaker in our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. You know, part of that verse 9 where it talked about blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So today when we talk about, you know, how uh, sometimes our plans don't go as planned, right? That that things go wrong. There There are types of conflicts that come and arise or the turmoils arise. And how do we respond to that? And the question, our theme today is, are you a peacekeeper or a peacemaker? The scripture here is saying that blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Well, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker, and let me share a few words with you. Peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. And what does that look like? An issue arises, and what do you do? In order to keep the peace, which is most of our responses at times, in order to keep the peace, we go around the issue. We'll say, we'll just deal with that later, Right? We'll deal with that later, and then, but you, sometimes, most of the time, you don't get around to it, but you remember it, right? And then something else happens, and, and, and then you, you go around the issue. And then something else happens, and then you go around the issue because you just want to experience peace. 
And even though that's one of our responses that we can do, here's what happens. When we start bottling things up, the things that we should have addressed, but in in essence, we actually went around the issue, here comes a moment in time that for months that you've been storing things up, you've been bottling them in, people explode. And then you've done this, and this, and this, and this, and you did this, and you did that, and you're like, whoa, where's that all coming from? Why? Because a peacekeeper will go around the issue and never addressing it. Now, comparing that now to the peacemaker, now the peacemaker goes and confronts, okay? What happens is that the peacemaker is a little different than a peacekeeper. The peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace. See, they don't, the peacemaker will not go around the issues, but they will address them. And if they do go around the issue, it's, it's to be able to say, I'm going to deal with this and then follow through with it. I'll talk to you later about this. I, I, at this very moment, I, I don't want to explode. I don't, I'm just, I'd rather not argue. Let, let's, let's talk about this later. But you address it, and you make sure that if you say you're going to address it later, you go and address it, even in the midst of the uh, feeling uncomfortable. Because you want to make sure that whatever took place to make you feel the way that you did doesn't continue to repeat itself and repeat itself and repeat itself because you, as a peacemaker, you are going through it, not around it, and you are addressing it as it comes up. Being a peacemaker takes effort. Being a peacemaker takes commitment. It's not easy. But we don't have to do this alone. In the, in the scriptures of John 14, Jesus is found talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the advocate, the counselor that he's going to leave behind, right? And in the midst of that, he goes and says, peace, I leave with you. And then he adds, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So most of the time we try to go into our culture and the way that the, the type of peace that the world gives, but that's not the peace that Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, my peace I give unto you. And so we don't have to do this alone. Part of that Holy Spirit, part of the counselor, the advocate, to remind us of what Jesus has done is there with us as, a, as Christians, as followers of Christ, when we give our life to Christ, our hearts to Christ, and to be able to say, God, I need your help, not only individually, but I need your help in how to bless my home. So this affects whether you're single or you're married or things. This, how can we bless our homes? And one of them is being a peacemaker. In Romans chapter 12, verses 17 18, and then 21, the Bible says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Now be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, and check this out here, if it is possible as far as it, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as long as it depends on you. And you're probably saying, hey, pastor, I have a feeling that this message is going to be great. I would, I would have hoped that this person would have been here to hear it. Right? Don't focus on what people are, are, who are not here. You got to focus, and the Bible says that it's depending on you. So in essence, instead of uh, worrying about who's not here, say, God, I'm here. How, what can I do? As long as it depends on me, what can I do to live at peace? 
He taught us to live a life of peace with everyone. The scripture says in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. And sometimes when evil comes our way, how do we respond? You see, the overall theme throughout this series is that we're not only just to be called Christians, we're not only to be called followers of Christ, but how can we bless our homes and be a Christ-centered home? Utilizing what the Beatitudes are saying and how we can apply it, whether it's hungering and thirsting for righteousness, whether it's having a pure heart, and today as we're talking about being a peacemaker. So let me share three things with you that the peacemakers can do. If you're taking notes, the first one is tell the truth in love. Tell the truth in love. So that means that instead of yelling at each other back and forth, and that sometimes you probably hear, uh, you're probably doing this, or you probably heard of other people, and they elevate their voice thinking that the higher they go, they'll win the battle. But winning, quote-unquote, the battle does not have anything to do with the volume of where you are having a discussion or, or, you know, the conflicts. It's how you are addressing them. So we tell the truth in love, and there are three things in the midst of that uh, point here. The first one is, based on Ephesians chapter 4, 15, we will speak the truth in love growing. That means that you're learning, that you are maturing. Growing in every way to be more and more like Christ. So, in being in telling the truth and love, you attack the issue, not the person. Attack the issue and not the person. What does that look like? Nowadays, you know, you have a conversation or you go out for a meal, you have family times, and what does someone say? Can you please put down your phone while we're having a meal or family time? It's devaluing us. You know, those type of conversations where you you really have to say that? To have a person in front of you at a meal or having a family time together and always on the phone. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you know somebody or maybe you're that person. But taking the time and saying, we're at the present, we are here, let's enjoy our time together. Let's have a conversation. Our kids, you know, usually I have my phone and... I call them up, they don't answer. I send a text, right away, ding! You can't talk to me? Attack the issue, never the person. You're addressing the issue about checking the phone at that time. It's not about the person and attacking for them to take it personal. The other thing is that know when to bring things up. When you're telling the truth, no one, when, I'm going to try to help you out here, no one to bring things up. You're not going to, uh, like a peacekeeper, trying to bottle everything up and just throw everything out at the same time. No one to bring things up. If you're having a conflict, don't bring something else up, and don't bring something else up because you'll be there forever. Or what happens, have you probably heard, you know, when people just walk out, I can't deal with this anymore. Why? Because they've actually, the people have actually held on for those trials and, 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 the, and the conflicts of before. They never dealt with it. They went around it. And so now they're just lashing out and you did this and this and this and this. And then remember when you did this last year? And when you remember when you did this, nothing was ever addressed. 
because they, they experienced peace, but inside there was turmoil. No one to bring things up. My wife, Ani, she says, you know, in the 23 years that we've been married, I have learned that not to bring something else up at that, at that very moment. I've learned that maybe I, I wait until after we're done or a couple hours or maybe one or two days later because I've realized that if I'm going to say something and, and to correct you because you've made me mad at times, I'm thinking, me? I've made you mad? Yes. Not by sometimes, not by what I say or uh, sometimes what I do. And, and how do we address those kind of things? What she has done is that she has waited for an opportune time. She addresses it, but not right away. And there have been times that she told me, actually this week, I love this series, by the way, because I get to talk to my kids as I prepare for this uh, uh, sermon series. And she told me this week, she says, honey, there have been times that I have actually, I, I can't be, I, I'm not able to sleep. But I get so mad because I'm mad at you when you're sleeping like nothing. <laughs> I didn't know something was up, you know. You never told me. Because if I told you at that very moment, you know, I'm one of those things. <laughs> you're lucky you're even sleeping in the bed because there's a nice couch out there. You know, one of those things. <laughs> But she says, she told me this, she says, honey, I, I've waited and I, to the opportune time because then it becomes, it's not an argument. It's not yelling. It's not bickering back and forth and trying to see who wins. But it's a conversation. So again, it's how and when to address it. And then the other part is that when or how, know how to address things and bring things up. You need to, as a, as a, as a, as a, Christ-centered home, we need to avoid the you statements. You did this. You did that. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Avoid those you statements and then start applying in a conversation with the I statements. Let me share a few examples with you. I'm feeling distant right now. Would you? And then you fill in the blank. I know we're both hurting right now. Let's fill in the blank. Honey, I, I feel close to you when fill in the blank. Hey, hey babe, uh, knowing we can talk through things makes me feel and fill in the blank. It's the way that you approach things, ladies and gentlemen. When you have a conversation, it's a conversation, not an argument, not trying to figure out who's right or wrong. But tell the truth, you know, in love. I have several others I'm not going to share with you, but if you're interested and, you know, that can help you out, email me and I'll send them to you, all right? Peacemakers don't work around the issues, they work through them. So the second point I want to share with you in the midst of that is to apologize when you are wrong. Pastor Ricky, I have no, no problems with this one because I'm always right. A peacemaker, ladies and gentlemen, apologizes when you're wrong. In James 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. 
There's a result by confessing and praying with each other. You'll be healed, and that relationship can continue as they uh, one day, day, time, day at a time is to be healed, to confess, to pray with each other. How many of us in our families pray with each other in the morning or at night? Whether we have children or we're on our own. Can you imagine how incredibly different our relationships would be if we would own our sins and, and, and confess them and pray together? So how do you apologize? No, okay, okay now you're, you're telling me i got to apologize when I'm wrong. How do we apologize? There's a, there's a technique of how you apologize, and it deals with remorse, or does it fall under repentance? You see, remorse is just like saying, you know, I got caught. I'm sorry I got caught. So it's more as... This is what remorse actually sounds like. I'm sorry we're having this hard time. That's, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. I'm sorry we're going through this. See, those are the kind of examples that were remorse, and it probably sounds familiar to you in your conversations. But how about if we do the repentance when the Bible is saying confess and pray for each other that there will be healing, that be like, I was wrong. I hurt you. Please forgive me. And this is how I hurt you. And not only are you saying that you're sorry and you're asking for forgiveness, but you're actually specifying, being more specific in what wrong or the sin you have done to cause that conflict and that relationship. Because you've probably heard before, you know, even last week I shared about how my daughter uh, whacked my son with uh, one of those Nerf bats, and then she did it again, whack, and just kept on saying, I'm sorry. That's not. <laughs> really? It's just sorry. It doesn't mean anything. It's, there's, there's, uh, there's, no, there's no repentance there. But if you are specific, saying, honey, I'm going to ask for forgiveness because... When you were talking in front of that group, I cut you off, and I, I probably made you feel like you, it, there was no value in you. I, I, I want to apologize for that. I want to make sure that I don't do that again. You see, there's repentance there. It's not just saying you're sorry. You can say, I I'm sorry that I raised my voice at you like that. That was disrespectful. Please forgive me. You see, there's specifics in that. What you did, you raised your voice. You didn't do this. And, and you name it so that way we can continue to grow together. We continue to learn from each other in our relationships and how our homes, a Christ-centered home, can be blessed because we're having a conversation. We're not yelling at each other. We're learning how to hold conversations, hold each other accountable. The way you can say you apologize for the specifics. The same way that we can go to God, we can go to God and knowing that he forgives us. And not just for you to say, oh, God, I'm sorry. I actually encourage you to add the specifics on it. God, I'm so sorry because in my heart I should have said this and I didn't get the opportunity to do it. Or, or, or I had the opportunity and I didn't go and follow through with it because I was scared. And God, I'm so sorry because I really felt in my heart you, you wanted me to help this family out and I didn't do it. God, I'm so sorry. You know, so what happens is you're specifying it so that when the, another opportunity comes around, you remembered that you already had asked for forgiveness of God for that specific thing, and you're going to try to not repeat it. 
the same way with our families. Same way the relationship that we have with our spouses, same way that we have relationship with our children. Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. You can confess and pray together so you could be healed. The third one I want to share with you, and you, if you thought that that was already tough, you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, tell the truth in love. You talk about, you know, uh, apologize when you're wrong. This one may be, uh, and you know, I shared a few weeks ago, uh, usually I try to make the sermons fun, right, and engaging. But uh, issues like this is not as fun, but I pray that you learn from them and, and hear them and ask God to be in the midst of the restoration that takes place in your relationships. I've dealt with children in the first two weeks, and this one is more about the couples, if I may say it this way. Or for those of you who have been hurt. So the third one is forgive and let go. That's what peacemakers do. They forgive and let go. And that's the tough part. Some people just want to forgive, but they don't let go. Some people want to forgive, and they don't forget. There's pain, and I'm going to add this, it's not just for the couples, but there's also singles, uh, uh, individual here, and you've probably been hurt before. So there's pain, you're carrying around pain, you're carrying, uh, carrying around hurt. There have been, you know, in, in the years of my ministry of, uh, of 19 years, I've heard of couples that one of them has ca- uh, caused adultery, and sometimes even multiple times. And then the other partner has forgiven them, but not really. Because they keep on reminding them every time something's happening, oh, you did this to me, you did. So there was never a forgiveness. So the peacemakers in a home is to forgive and let go as difficult as that is. There are people who trusted somebody with, with somebody else and that they, you th- you pr- they thought you, they'd protect you. And in return, they actually didn't harm to you. Pastor, how can I forgive that? How can I forgive them? In my life, just because I'm a pastor and doing it for 19 years, I've gone through pain. I've gone through hurt, conflicts, turmoils, someone I've, I've built relationships with and then all of a sudden stabbed me in the back. And not just stabbed me, they, 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 they tw- it feels like the twist and turning and the pain is so real. How can we forgive? Yeah, Pastor, I, I, I feel you. I, I know what you're talking about. I've been hurt like this by the person I, I thought uh, loved me or people who I know that are family members. I can't believe that they've hurt me this way. How can I forgive them, Lord, uh, uh, Pastor? How can we forgive? It's not, it, it's not easy. There's no doubt. It's not easy, but it, it's also not impossible. How do we forgive? Colossians 3.13, the Bible says this. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you have grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know about you, but the Lord has forgiven me of many sins. I've fallen short of God's glory, but he has forgiven me. I've received mercy when I don't deserve it. Do you fall in the same line? And the scripture is saying, you've, uh, 
It's difficult. It's hard. But you forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. To be able to be a peacemaker, you're going through the issues. You, even, the, even in the midst of the valleys, when, when it feels like there's darkness in the midst of the surroundings, but we go through it and we trust God that we can come out of that valley and knowing that we can be strengthened and saying, okay, God, you pulled me through all this. I want to give you honor. I want to give you the glory and let this not affect the way I want to live my life from here on out. Your family may not be perfect. In fact, your family may be dysfunctional. No, is that only my family? All right. Well, here's a part I want to share with you when you forgive and forget and, and let go. You got to fight for your family, ladies and gentlemen. You got to fight for it. Family is so worth it. Yes, you go through ups and downs here and there, but it, it's so worth it. So when your marriage is, on, you know, you, you can't come to a point that you, you know what? I'm going to grab my stuff. I'm, you grab your stuff. We're, we're done. I give up. Let, let's just go our own ways. Maybe it's because the way that you approached issues, you went around it, not through it, and come to a point that how can, ladies and gentlemen, how can a family say they love each other one day and the next day, I hate you. I want a divorce. I want a separation. You know, how, how can it be from one day to the next? I usually tell that my, uh, the folks that I marry is a wedding it only takes an hour. The wedding day is like an hour, the ceremony. Marriage, you have to work for it. What we don't do is that we don't write our children off and say, you did this or said this, you know, you, you get out, you're, I, I'm done with you. No, our, our response is that family is worth it, so we love our children. We want to forgive our children, but please note this, don't enable them. Don't enable your children. In my family, my wife and I, we've uh, try to uh, grow them, you know, teach them and that as they're growing up. And they've come to an age that we know that they're not going to separate between, they're, gonna be, they're not going to be a barrier between my wife and I. And you know, children, as they get older, they try to be able to be slick, test the waters. Hey, Poppy, can I do this? No. What, did that end there? I usually text my wife, hey, my son asked me this. I told him no, just in case he goes to you. Ring. Hey, he came to me, all right? <laughs> Don't let your children, love your children, forgive your children. They, it comes to a point that they have to live their own life and not affect your relationship at home. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's hard. Especially if you're going through something like this right here, right now. That your marriage seems like you're just holding on by a thread. You've been carrying around so much pain and hurt. And you're, you're probably feeling, this is it, I'm done. I want your homes to be blessed. I want them not just to be blessed, to be a Christ-centered home. That it is worth it to fight for your family. Forgive 
as the Lord has forgiven you. And when we act like Christ and we forgive and when we act like Jesus and we show mercy and when we act like our Lord and Savior and we make peace, we are called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Let us pray.